Hi, my name is Hayden, and you're listening to the Future Violet Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about how emo came to be. Emo is a term that has evolved greatly over the past 35 or so years, going through many different waves of music and culture, yet at its heart has mostly maintained the true meaning. It can be broken down into three major waves, with smaller overflow buffering before and after each. In the beginning, emo was used as a derogatory term for individuals who played and listened to a new breakoff of hardcore punk. Emo focused more on individual feelings than other subgenres of punk. It is said to be, or at least had been, what would happen if bands like The Smiths and The Cure fused with bands like Bad Brains and Bad Religion. The band most often credited with starting emo is Rites of Spring. While the band only lasted for two years, playing maybe 15 shows and only producing one album. Their influence is still seen today in almost every band labeled emo. Though, Guy Picciotto, the vocalist and guitarist of Rites of Spring, doesn't believe that emo is a real genre, saying that he just thought all the bands he played in were punk rock bands, which is true. Emo's parent genre is punk. Rites of Spring's song, All that's left has lyrics such as, it's more than love and it's less than love, it's what I give to you. And their song, All Through Life, has lyrics such as, but I think it's going to be alright, I think it's going to be okay. I think of those days that came before, and together we will mark these days. And especially, and if I started crying, would you start crying? Now I started crying, why are you not crying? From Theme. Is it really that hard to see why they're called the first emo band? All the way from Grade to Silverstein to My Chemical Romance to Thursday, they helped to start a lyrical revolution. Punk band Fugazi's album 13 Songs is also a major influence on emo, with lyrics such as, I'm planning a big surprise, I'm gonna fight for what I want to be from Waiting Room, and we are consumed by society, we are obsessed with variety, we are all filled with anxiety that this world would not survive from Burning 2, it's no wonder that they were so impactful. Embrace was formed by Ian McKay, also in the bands Minor Threat, Fugazi, and the Teen Idols, shortly after Rites of Spring's disbandment and carried the genre on with songs such as Give Me Back and Words Are Not Enough, End of a Year. One Last Wish, another post-hardcore band during this time, consisted majorly of members that had also been in the aforementioned bands. Most of these early bands were tightly woven all knowing each other or knowing of each other and being in bands together. The scene was close, being confined to basement shows, and whatever they could scrape together for records they made mostly by themselves. Discord Records is the earliest label to sign emo bands, having been started in 1980 by Ian McKay. All of this brewing and stirring that had happened because of and within emo happened around 1985 to 1986 or so often called the Revolution Summer. This was the first wave of emo, and the word was not used by the bands or the fans. They hated the term and found it useless and demeaning. Even today, emo is known almost exclusively as a 2000s sellout genre. In the 90s, however, emo evolved a bit more, delving into pop punk and indie rock. Sunny Day Real Estate and Jawbreaker are the two most notable emo bands from the early 90s, laying the foundations for bands such as Jimmy World, The Promise Ring, Texas Is The Reason, and even Weezer. 
Weezer is credited with establishing the softer, more melodic branch of emo. By the mid-90s, it gets significantly harder to define emo, to box it in, to pin it down. It had expanded to include more genres and bands than anyone would have thought it would, it being just a silly or rude name for people and their music. Sunny Day Real Estate, Bright Eyes, arguably one of the most emo bands, and Dashboard Confessional tend to be the definition of indie rock emo or post-emo indie or Midwest emo. Soft, emotionally revealing songs about growing up, family issues, relationships, and breakups backed with largely acoustic, clean, or non-distortion effects on guitars, along with vocals that can be anywhere from delicate to whiny to flat-out crying and screaming. Yes, earlier bands did cry on stage and whine, and throw all of their emotions into their performance, but it became bigger. The Midwest dominated the emo scene during the 90s, and this era is often referred to as the Midwest era of emo. Screamo, began to develop out of emo around this time and especially at the end of the 90s and the very early 2000s. Often mistaken for any music with screaming, typically mixed up with metalcore, though closely related, and deathcore, screamo is characterized by screamed vocals about loss, death, life, and human rights, and is more directly influenced by hardcore punk than other forms of emo. Notable bands include Page 99, Circle Takes the Square, The Number 12 Looks Like You, Orchid, Antioch Arrow, and many more. The most cohesive definition of screamo is screaming over one's definitely loud rocking noise and suddenly quiet melodic guitar lines, thanks to Jeff Mitchell of the college newspaper Iowa State Daily. It's hard to say when this era of emo ended, if it was one era or not even, because it seemed to bleed through to the 2000s. Eyeball Records, located in New Jersey, was formed in 1994 by Alex Saavedra and helped to jumpstart the Jersey emo post-hardcore scene that really blew up in the 2000s. At the beginning of the 2000s, Jeff Rickley of Thursday, a New Jersey post-hardcore band formerly signed to Eyeball Records, was asked by old friends in My Chemical Romance to produce their first album. Considering they all came up together in the Jersey music scene, Jeff said yes, and they recorded and produced the album I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love in all of three weeks. Along with My Chem, other emo bands, Senses Fail and Armor for Sleep started to gain popularity in Jersey. Outside of Jersey, a band called The Used started to rise also with songs such as A Box Full of Sharp Objects and The Taste of Ink giving them a place in Screamo, and Blue and Yellow and On My Own giving them a place in Indie. Taking Back Sunday, a band from across the harbor in New York, also began to gain popularity with Your So Last Summer and Cute Without the E cut from the team, drawing on much of the Midwest emo scene of the 90s. Ohio and the Midwest continued to blow up big with bands like Hawthorne Heights, Follow Boy and Dead Poetic. Canadian bands Some 41, Simple Plan, Silverstein, and Alex is on Fire, along with Billy Talent, staked a claim in emo. Girls also began to rise to the top in emo with bands like Paramore and Hey Monday, Avril Lavigne having risen just a few years before. Other bands include 
Eyes set to kill, we are in the crowd and evanescence. This radio punk, pop punk, emo, screamo explosion was in part thanks to TV, with many kids' shows, cartoons, and teen movies making soundtracks with emo and pop punk bands on the forefront. Simple Plan did the 2002-2006 to theme song for What's New Scooby-Doo. Many of us teenagers and young adults today grew up listening to this music even if we didn't know it, because it was on our movies, shows, and video games. It became so hard to categorize bands by the end of the 90s that by this time in the 2000s, any band that could possibly be seen with merch in a Hot Topic or playing on Warped Tour was branded emo. The term, still not used by most, was rejected by bands and fans alike. Those that did, however, claimed the label, claimed it was such a ferocity that it was equal to that of those that rejected it. Also during this time, emo pop, bands like Millionaires, Cash Cash, Metro Station, and Cobra Starship, and Crunk Core, Broken Side, flourished, helping to create the scene that grew that would become Scene Kids. As it grew, it adopted post-hardcore, metalcore, and deathcore bands such as Chiodos, Eyes Set to Kill, Bring Me the Horizon, A Day to Remember, Suicide Silence, Chelsea Grin, and many more. Scene kids were similar to emo kids, only they were brighter colors, tighter clothes, much more makeup, and much bigger, brighter hair. Crabcore was another favorite of scene kids, featuring bands like Attack Attack and Abandon All Ships. There were a few bands that emos and scenes could agree on. For example, A Day to Remember and All Time Low are well-liked by both, even to this day. Along with these genres, there was also new metal that got pulled into emo, such as Linkin Park and Korn, and hard rock, such as Three Days Grace. It's become so complicated that differentiating between genres, styles, and eras is nearly impossible as so many of them intertwine and overlap. Emo fell out of style around 2011-2012, being replaced by hipster and Tumblr styles. The genre has been pulled back by revivalists, such as Pianos Become Teeth, La Dispute, The Front Bottoms, and Empire Empire, I Was a Lonely Estate, though it can be argued that it never left but instead fell back to the underground. This giant mishmash of information just barely scratches the surface of emo and its ongoing evolution, but it's where I'll leave off for today. This has been the Future Violet Podcast.